0: And uh, you're here this morning. We started talking about last week about going to the next level. We we said that in in 2018, we are determined and we believe that God wants us to reach heights that we have never reached before. And so last week, we talked about having next level faith. And we talked how that Joseph uh, had that next level faith that even though he was going through all kinds of stuff, he was sold into slavery. His brothers wanted to kill him. But through all this, the Bible said that God was with him. And we begin to to realize that that sometimes that we don't understand it and we don't realize it, but we have to have the faith to know that whatever we're going through, that God is still with us. This morning, we're going to talk about a very popular thing to talk about in church. Not really. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, "Uh uh-oh. If you notice, I didn't put the title out or anything on, on Facebook because I knew that people would just stay home. I just said, we're going to talk about going to the next level. How many people realize that everything belongs to God? Last week, I had you, we'll do it again just for, for you newbies. Take a, take a deep breath. Deep breath. Like I'm talking like a, like a doctor's got a stethoscope on you. Take a deep breath. Now, Okay, you, I see some people turning blue. Let it out. That breath was from God. Everything that we have is from God, and that includes our money. Now, when when we start talking about money, everybody gets a little uncomfortable. I can tell you that that you're uncomfortable, and I'm uncomfortable, because I can see your faces. I understand and I realize that it's not a popular... and, And because of the way that it's been preached in churches... All across this country, for as long as we can remember, it has become a, a very easy thing for people to say, well, that church just wants my money. But this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about next level finances. It's not about how much that you make. It's not about how much you make, but it's what you do with what you have. Always having more is, is not always the answer. But when it comes to our finances, I believe if we're going to go to the next level as individuals and as a church, we have to understand and we need to handle our finances the biblical way. In Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, it says, You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see, it's God's way. Or it's the world's way. It says, you will show me the path, the way of life. And in your presence is fullness of joys. And at your right hand are pleasures. So when I read that, I understand that in order for me to get to the pleasures of life, I need to do it His way. He will show us the path of life. And in order to to get to that, our pleasures, we have to go through Him. We have to understand that we have to do it His way and not our way. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12. It says this, there is a path before each person that seems right. But in the end, it ends in death. It ends in death. What is that saying in just good old Ashland, Kentucky language? It's saying that, that there's ways that, that we think are the right way to go. But in the end, that will lead us to destruction. It will lead us down a path that we do not want to go. But the problem is, is too many times we want to to bypass God. Too many times when it comes to everything in our life, but this morning in particular finances, we want to bypass God. We want to get to the pleasures without going through Him. So let's talk about our finances just for, for a few minutes. The first thing that we must understand and we must realize when it comes to our finances is we need to get honest with it. Get honest with it. How do you handle your money? Is it through your faith or it's separate from your faith? A lot of times when we, we look at the, God, I want you uh, in my life. I want you in my family. I want, you in, uh, I want you in my faith. But when it comes to my finances, that's mine. And too many times we, we try to bypass his presence for pleasure. Pleasure. But you see, getting your finances right and getting them in order, it's a process. It's not an event. If I had a a dollar for every time somebody said, Buddy, I'm going to start giving if if I can just win the lottery. That's an event. That's an event. But how many people have hit the Powerball? Anybody? I'm just making sure that you're not holding out. You'll fall down the steps and die. That's in the Bible, you know. But it's a process. It's not just going to happen. Human nature is is for us to bypass Him. David said in, in Psalm 100 verse 3, Know that the Lord, He is God, and it is He who has made us and not we ourselves. Why did he have to put that in there? Because too many times we think that it's us that makes us. We think, we think that, it's, that it's us that causes us to prosper. But David is saying here, he's saying, listen, it's not we who made us. If you're a millionaire, you're not a self-made millionaire. If you're a business owner, you're not a, you're not a self. God made you. But we have a, a tendency to believe that we can make ourselves. But it's not we that made us, it's Him. But people want to bypass God. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 19, it says, They said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen. But don't let God speak directly to us, or we will die. So here, we had the, the children of Israel, and they're saying, I, I don't want to talk to God. Moses, you do it for me. You do it for us. They were wanting to, to bypass an encounter with God And depend on someone else. We find in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 17 verse 16. And i would never seen it this way before. But it says, so I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. So here they were. They were in this crowd of people. and, And instead of pressing through to try to get to Jesus in the beginning. They just went to his disciples. They were probably a whole lot more accessible than Jesus at that time. They were people gathering around Jesus, but, but they, were, they were trying to, to get something taken care of without actually going to Jesus. And too many times in our life, we do not want to, to press through. We do not want to, to have to, to put forth the effort. We just try to bypass Him. God will handle it this way. He says, come to me. When did he say that? John chapter 14 verse 6 says this. Jesus told him, I am the way. I am the path. I am the truth and I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He is the only way. We cannot bypass Him. We cannot get to what God has for us by bypassing Him. What does God want for us? The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. What does God want for your life? He wants you to bypass sorrow. He says, if if you will will allow me to bless you, if you'll do it my way, I'll keep you from from a lot of stuff. He doesn't want us to have sorrow. No sorrow with it. But we have to be honest with our finances. We can't just say... Well, God, I'll I'll think about it. And we can't lie to ourselves. You ever, uh, maybe like an ostrich with his head in the sand. You just want to lie to yourself and say, oh, I do that. You've got to be honest. Do you do it God's way or are you doing it your way? The second thing that we must do is we must get God in on it. We must say, you know, God, I'm going to be honest. I've been doing it my way my whole life. I've been trying to to, to do it my way, but I want to do it your way. I want you to to come in and show me the path to being fulfilled. And I'm not just talking about giving. I mean, any time that the the pastor talks about money, you think, well, he's just being self-serving. He wants a bigger building. He wants a bigger salary. He wants a nicer car. I'm not just talking about giving. What I'm talking about is us getting a mindset and realizing that where it comes from. Where it comes from. Everything that we have, as I said, comes back from God. It comes from God. Our jobs, our opportunities, our skills, our families, our health, our strength, and our money. It all comes from God. And when we realize that, and we decide to make a decision to allow Him to be on, in on it. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we allow God to get in on our finances? The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor. Everybody say it out loud. Honor. Honor the Lord with your possessions, and with the firstfruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Honor. Honor moves God like nothing else. You know, as being in my family, nothing moves me more than when Christy or Reese honors me. It does more than, than anything for me is when they show me honor. And I believe that God is the same way. God is, is, is under, and He longs to be honored. How do we honor Him? With our possessions. With our first fruits. You see, honor is important. The first fruits of your increase. God says, I give it to you. I gave you the power. Recognize that it comes from me. And give me back a tenth of it. You recognize where it comes from. But here's the problem when it comes to to tithing. The problem is, is, is that it's been taught in a way that's not biblical. This morning, four things that tithing is not. It's not a get-rich-quick rich, get scheme. Try to say that fast. It's been taught if you pay tithes today, then tomorrow you're going to hit the lottery. If you pay tithes today, you're going to go to the mailbox tomorrow and open it up, and there's going to be a, a huge check there. You know why it's been taught that way? Because a lot of times people want to, to prey on the desperation of people. People get in, in, in a bad situation, and well, if you just give a tenth to God, it is not a get rich quick scheme. Secondly, it's not a prevention from trials. It's not a prevention from trials. I have paid tithes and, and given to God, but guess what? The car still breaks down, the refrigerator still messes up. The house still needs repairs. It's not a prevention from trials. But people want to say, well, if you just give to the church, it doesn't stop that stuff from happening. Thirdly, it's not a prerequisite for God to love you. You can never give another dime and God will still love you. God will still love you. It's not a prerequisite to say, well, The only way God's going to love me is if I give money. God loved you so much he sent his son to die for you. God loves you. And tithing is not a way to prove your love to God. Lastly, it's not an exemption from stewardship. You say, what does that mean? Well, a lot of people believe that if you just give 10%, then with the other 90%, you can just do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want with the other 90%. And that is not Biblical. I believe that, that in the aspect of learning about tithing, that it also applies to the other 90%. And we'll talk about that just in a few minutes. But we're going to give honor to God. We're going to say, I know where it comes from. God, I honor you with my possessions. I, I honor you. The Bible tells us in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. And it's not up there. It tells us... Oh, man, what does it tell us? It tells us that... that, that Basically, we have robbed from God. That we have robbed from God. What have we robbed Him of? We've robbed Him of His honor. I mean, if it's all His anyway, can, can we rob Him of possessions? It's His. But too many times we do not honor Him. What are you stealing from Him? It's honor. When you honor God, you get Him in on it. When you, when you do things... When you decide that, that I'm going to honor God with my first fruits. And then we decide we're going to care about it. We're going to care about it. What you respect, you attract. My dad taught me at an early age, if you don't respect women, you're not going to attract. You're going to be living in your parents' basement the rest of your life. And they didn't have a basement at that time. But what you re- respect... You attract. We have taught that, that, oh, we don't care about money. That's worldly to care about money. If you don't care about it, just give it all away. We have to have it. We have to respect it. We have to understand. And we have to, and and, and guys here, you might say, well, it's just a part-time job. Oh, it's just 10 hours here, 5 hours there. It's just babysitting. It's just, it's just... Taking care of animals. It's just whatever. But respect it. Understand that it's the beginning of a process. I'm glad they sit down here. It's the beginning of a... It might be the last Sunday they do it, but... It's the beginning of a process. Respect what God has blessed you with. It's the beginning of something. Care about it. Talk to people... And, and, and this is hard for me because I have had to learn the hard way. Say, so do, do, does your company offer a 401k? Yeah. Well, I don't know, maybe. How much do they match? Oh, I don't know. Are you doing it? No, not yet. That's free money. You say, what are you talking about? A lot of companies, how many, how many people have 401 k's? Anybody? Yeah. And basically, when you're putting money in, they're matching that. But we wait to do that. Respect it. Understand that, that it's a way that, that you can put money in that they're giving you. How many people would, if, if I had $10 right now, Luke, would you take it? You wouldn't? Uh, he is a good kid. <laughs> and he's also lying. So, uh, <laughs> you have to respect money. You have to care about it. Proverbs twenty seven twenty three says this. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Basically, it says it's telling these shepherds it's telling, know what's going on, know what it's about, understand, know how much you're, you're making, know what's coming out of your check, care about it. How many people have direct deposit? You have to log in to see if you got paid or not. As soon as it hits, I'm checking to make sure it's in the bank. My wife hates electronic banking. She hates it. She can't go anywhere. She'll stop at Walmart on the way to work. I'll look. Would you spend 27 27 today at Walmart? <laughs> Eight I'm just waiting to, if they'll give me. If I can get her to use the Walmart app, it would even be better because it puts the electronic receipt. So I can just see. I can just log on, see everything that she bought. She gets so frustrated around birthdays and Christmas because she can't buy me anything without me seeing that something's been bought. And she threatens me within an inch of of my life, just don't look. But I care about it. I'm not in love with it. But I respect it. Do you know that the Bible talks more about money than heaven and hell? It talks more about money... In heaven and hell. Why is that? Because the Bible tells us that where our treasure is, there our heart's going to be. And we're going to give an account for everything that he has blessed us with. Everything that He has given us. We read a, a story in the Bible that t- talks about the man that was given one talent. The man that was given two talents. The man was given five talents. And the guys with the two and the five talents, they cared about theirs. They did something with it. And God said, Jesus, well done. You were faithful over what I give you. Money It's not evil. It's not wrong. We can't have the idea that we just shouldn't care about it. We'll just give everything away. That's unbiblical. It's God's. We should care about it. Anybody ever borrowed something from someone? When you borrow something from someone, you are concerned about it. You want to make sure. My wife borrowed a a TENS unit from Jennifer. And she is like, watch this thing. She texted me the other day. She said, have you seen the TENS unit? She was scared to death that she had lost it. Why? Because she knew she was going to have to give an account for it when she gives it back to its owner. She knew that if she had lost it, that I would see that she had to order a new one (laughs) to replace it. But when we borrow something... Anybody ever borrowed something for you from you, and when you got it back, it just was no longer in working condition? I know somebody loaned somebody a lawnmower one time, and when they got it back, the shaft was bent and everything else. They didn't know if they tried to cut down a tree with it or or what. But when you borrow something, you should be concerned about and when you have to give an account when you return it. The same things about our money. It's God's money. And one day, we're going to have to give an account. We're going to have to give account. So we, so we have to take control of it. And you see, as I said, the, the principle of the first 10% is also a principle of the other 90%. Because what happens is, is we're not owners of anything. We're just stewards of it. We are not owners of anything. We are just stewards of what God has given us. I don't, own this church. Somebody said amen. I just steward it. I don't own my own company. The computer business that I do. That's, it's not mine. I just steward it. I manage it. It's God's. Because the reality is. Is the only way that you truly own something. Is if you're going to take it with you when you die. Guess what? You're not taking anything. You're not taking anything. When you die. Why? Because it's not yours. It's God's. It's on a loan from God. So what does, does tithing teach us? It teaches us to let go of control. Three things. It teaches us priorities, percentages, and placement. Priorities, percentages, and placement. First priorities. Do you give God the first 10% of the last 10? Do you give God the, of your first fruits... Or what's left over? This is not about us getting more money. It's about you and and me learning. I I told you last week that over the last two or three months that God has just been dealing with me about about my money that He's allowed me to steward. About being generous and and about blessing others and, and about giving to him what is rightfully his. But where are your priorities? teaches us percentages how many people have a budget I can't raise my hand (laughs) let me put it down God's been dealing with me over that because I'll do a budget for about three days how many people made a new year's resolution to, to start a budget great I won't ask if you're still following it, because I know that if it were me, I'd be like, "Nope." January fourth, it was over. But when you look at certain percentages, it works. I'm gonna, you know, a certain percentage is going to go to this, a percentage is going to go to that. Why? Because we don't want to live strapped. The American way is just to to live paycheck to paycheck. You say, "Man, this does not sound much like a sermon." I didn't. Come to get financial advice. But God's concerned about it. Why? Because it is something that the enemy uses to keep us from getting to where God wants us to go. When we feel strapped and we feel stressed and we feel so confined because we're so worried about being able to pay the bills, percentages don't overspend. God says 10%. Now, do you tithe? Yeah, I give $20 a week. I heard somebody say that's not tithing, that's tipping. <laughs> Unless you make $200 a week, then it would be. You know, the decimal is real easy to figure out. But what are your margins? What are your margins? Are you able, Are you able to look at your percentages and say, the first 10% is going to God? And then placement. The Bible tells us that, the, that, that it belongs in the local church. It belongs in the local church. I didn't say it. He did. You say, well, I give mine to, you know, I had somebody that, that died of, uh, of cancer. And I give mine to the Cancer Society. That is a great cause. But you're still in control. Because you're telling exactly where it goes. Well, I give to missions. That's great. And, and I encourage that but you're still in control. But you see, when we can realize and understand that, that God is concerned about our priorities, about the percentages and the placement, He said, bring it to the church. Bring it to the church. We have to get honest with it. We have to understand, how many people know that, that by not, if we just keep ignoring, if, the, if our government just keeps ignoring the debt that just keeps getting larger and larger and larger, it, it until they become honest and start making some tough decisions, we're not just going to wake up one morning and say everything's good now. It's not going to happen. They have to get honest with it. And the same thing in, in our personal finances. We have to get honest with it. We have to say it's not going to fix itself. And it's a process, not an event. I mean, if you've got the power to, to pray and just wake up in the morning and, and all your debt's gone and, and your bank accounts, could you go ahead and say a prayer for me too, Okay. It's not going to be that way next if you're married we need to learn to work together on it work together on it as a couple we have to to realize that that um, this is a partnership this is a in our finances we can't just one person do one thing and one person do another I mean, why? Because every counselor that you talk to will tell you that the most common problems and problem in a marriage is money. Don't elbow your husband or wife. But it's true. It's true, especially... And you think, well, you know, it, it will, it's going to get better. Not if you don't change some things. There's some of you now that are making more money than you can have ever dreamed 20 or 30 years ago, but you're still in the same situation because you didn't... You're doing the same things. It's said that that you just if you get a raise, what do you do? I mean it's the American way, right? You go out and get something bigger. And b- believe me, this is i'm a spender. My wife is nodding her head. We would be in much better shape, probably, if she handled the bank account. She's a saver. I've almost got her converted over. After this service, I I will probably lose access to everything. People are no longer in this church or are not afraid to come and ask me for something now. That last guy that was here, well, he was... Love you, Pastor. But I've still got somebody on my staff that's tight like that. They bypass them and they come to me. Look, I'm scared to ask him. I won't tell you if it's Aaron or Brandon. But I wouldn't talk about somebody in front of him, and Aaron's upstairs, so. But he's got it right. We have to work on it together. I realize that in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 30, it says this How could one person chase a thousand of them, and two people put 10,000 to flight? Now, when you read that, even common core math would tell you that if one could chase a thousand, that two should be able to chase how many? Common core math? How many people know? If one could chase a thousand, then how many should two be able to chase? In our human nature, yeah, 2,000, right? I'm sure there's a formula for that. Some Some little. Somebody with a pocket protector right now is pulling it out. Probably this one over here. It's dangerous to sit down front, I'm just going to tell you. Can you tell I've been snowed in? I've I've had so much caffeine. But the Bible says that that if one person could chase a thousand, but two people could put, because they work together. They work together. And when you begin to work together and you get God in on it, then things will happen that aren't normal. Things will happen that we can't understand because God is in on it. But we have to work together. It doesn't say that, I mean, a thousand's good. So if if you're you're doing one thing and your wife's doing something else, I mean, you might get 2,000 out of it. You may be able to, to do some stuff, but this is when you work together. When you work together and allow God in on it, then something happens. Lastly, we need to learn to rest in it. Rest in it. God wants us always to have peace in our hearts. He wants us to have peace. He does not want us to live our lives so stressed out. You ever met somebody that's just worried about everything? Those kind of people stress me out. I get stressed being around stressed people. And if you're a kind of person that's stressed, you get stressed about being around people who don't stress. <coughs> Usually in, in the relationship, there's somebody that worries about everything and there's somebody that worries about nothing. You need to find a balance. I see husbands and wives elbowing each other. If my wife could get down here, she'd hit me over the head. Once again, I won't let you know who the worrier is and who's the... But God doesn't want us to live our lives worried all the time. He wants us to be able to to rest and to be at peace even when it comes to our finances. But the reality is, is that if we're ever going to get to that point. Then we've got to do it his way. We have to do it his way. Being in ministry since. For over 20 years. Man, I'm old. I talk to people all the time. And I watch people all the time. Who are so stressed out over their finances. And someone gave me some advice. When I was a little bit older than you guys, that I didn't heed. Now looking back a long time, I wish I would have. If you get it right in the beginning, and he was talking about giving to God, saving, not living above your means, not just spending everything that came in, treating it like everything that comes in is for us. And a lot of us, we need to start the process so that we can get to the point of not being stressed out all the time, because God doesn't want that. Last week, we talked about we talked about Joseph and the dream that, that Pharaoh had. And so here we are. Joseph is, is in prison. Pharaoh has a dream. He doesn't know what it means. He doesn't understand it. But he didn't disregard it. He didn't disregard it. He cared about it. He said, this dream is its just its bothering me. He could have just said, well, it was just the pizza I ate before I went to bed. But he didn't. He understood that there was something significant about this dream. He cared about it. So what did he do? He called Joseph. Which in the Hebrew means Jesus. And he got God in on it. He cared about it. And he said, you know what? When he found out there was somebody that could help him understand. And somebody that could help him interpret this dream. He got God in on it. He called for Joseph and he said, I've had this dream. What does it mean? And Joseph began to to explain to him. There's going to be seven years of famine. Or seven years of, of prospering. And then seven years of famine. F- famine. And so they begin to, to develop a strategy. And they begin to talk about and change their priorities. And change the percentage of, of what was going on with the crops. And, and they changed the placement of where it was going. They said, store it away. They took a fifth of the land. They made it a, a priority. And at that point, said Pharaoh took off his ring and he gave it to Joseph. So here they are, they're working together. They understand that some things are going to have to change if they're going to have peace about what lies ahead. So they begin to work together. And then Pharaoh takes off his ring and he gives it to Joseph. And he said this in Genesis chapter 41, verse 45. Then Pharaoh gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, Zapheth-Paneah. And basically what that means is is that God listens and He hears. And we need to understand and realize that if we will listen to God for everything but when it comes to our finances, if we will do it His way, if we'll begin to care about it and be honest with it, and realize it's just not going to fix itself. Then we can rest in it. What did Pharaoh do after he got God in on it? Took his ring off, gave it to Joseph, and said, You take care of it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about it. He was able to rest. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When we trust in God with all of our heart, that means there's no room in our heart for worry. The problem is is, is, is we can't get this part right. All. How much is all? It's all. It's everything. And it says, when you will trust in Him with everything that you have, When you are completely, when you give your heart completely to Him, and you give your trust completely to Him, there is no longer any room for worry. The Bible tells us not to be anxious about anything. How can we do that? If we get God in on it, if we become a good steward, if we don't try to control it, and we give it to Him. That's what Pharaoh did in this story about Joseph give it all to Him, wasn't going to worry about it. That's where we have to get with our lives. See, God's Word, it works. It works. But we will never get to His presence and to what He has for us if we don't follow His path. say, so what am I supposed to do? What I'm in a situation now that just a process. Begin to honor God. Begin to honor Him. Watch Him work. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. But it's about God saying, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to realize that it all comes from you. And please, please, I, 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 I beg you. Do not leave here thinking this is about the church getting more money. It's not. It's about us understanding and realizing that it's all His. We're stewards of it. And as we begin to honor Him... And follow his path, we will get to what he has for us. We can get to that next level where we don't have to worry, we don't have to fret. We can completely trust him. Every head bowed. This is not a, we're just going to pray. not a a meeting where I want you to raise your hand and say pray for me, I'm a spendaholic this is about us getting honest with ourselves taking a moment just to, to reflect and being honest about our finances being honest whether we're handling our way God's way. It's not a process. It's not an event. It's a process. And so we're going to pray together that all of us will begin to do it His way. And this is one of those sermons that if one finger is pointing at you, I've got four pointing back at me. Because I'm right there with you but God has begun to to speak into me and and, and for me to realize some things need to change. So right now, we're just going to pray. And we're going to pray that God will speak to us, that we'll listen, that we will start down a path that will lead us to pleasure, not sorrow. Father, I come before you right now. God, I am thankful for each and every person that is gathered in this auditorium. God, I thank you for everything that you have allowed me to steward. My family, my job, my money God Father I pray that as your word has went forth God that we will be receptive of what the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts God that we will realize that everything that we have belongs to you. And God, that it will be more than just words from our lips, but God, it's something that we live by. God, as we reflect on our own lives, our own way of living, God, help us to begin a process of always honoring God, we truly want to get to the next level. God, we want next level living. Father, we want to to come to a point where we can truly trust you with our whole heart. God, I pray that Something that was said today will start something in us and that we will allow the Holy Spirit to begin to to speak to us and and to change us forever. God, as a church, we want to, to do what it is that you have called us to do in this city. Father, when we started this church Father, we knew with everything that was in us that you had a plan for us. God, as in 2018, as we strive to go to the next level, to to change this community in ways that, that, that we can't even imagine, to see people come into your kingdom. God, I pray that you will give us wisdom. God, that you will lead us and guide us to do it your way. Father, we love you. God, we thank you.